I am Nimidram Bhatt and you are listening to my not so profound thoughts. Today I have uh, Isabella from Mexico who is a law student and we are going to discuss about understanding universal basic income, the pros and cons of it having in developed country as well as in developing country. So hear it from Isabella. I yeah. am a Mexican law student. I have been studying for a bit over four years now. Um, I have dedicated my last three years to corporate law and some aspects of business law, especially in the last two and a half years uh, with a view on international corporate law and how businesses work at an international level scale, specifically within Mexico. So making this points of connection with international business and national laws in order for international relations to work within the country, within the legal perspective. Um, I also love cultures. I love languages. I am a polyglot and thus all of this analysis of how society works and how we can make a better community is what really moves me and pushes me through. So, so you also have a podcast, right? Um, I do not have a podcast. I have written blogs and I have my social media where I mostly speak basically in Spanish. It's my native tongue. But about okay. um, current laws that are being published by the Mexican government, trying to explain them at a simple level, simpler level for everyone to understand them. I also speak a little bit about culture, about social key issues that are relevant, what our local Congress is doing, and everything that involves politics and the community as a whole. Okay. So I wanted to discuss basically regarding the universal basic income, mm-hmm. the pros and cons in a developing country, as well as the difference it has in a developed country. Okay. Yeah, so so what is your take on universal basic income? That whether every country should have based on their uh, GDP or there should be a universal thing about that? Well, I believe the universal basic income should be held only for extraordinary circumstances because we have to understand where it comes, right? So in essence, um, most countries currently fall within the capitalist system, which goes completely different from what the communist system would stand. This um, universal basic income falls more on the socialism kind of side of economics, so it's not fully well into communism, but still goes out of the capitalist logic that we're used to, right? Especially for developing countries, which have had a history, such as the case of my country. Mexico has had a history of going between the lines between capitalism and socialism, it's a good measurement as long as it's not a permanent measurement. And what do I mean with a permanent measurement? It's not that there should be always a universal um, minimal income or basic income, but rather in extraordinary circumstances, such as the one that we're living right now in a global pandemic, right? Yeah. So with for it to make sense within an economic system such as... a capitalist economic system, it would have to be 
generally written enough that if anyone falls within specific circumstances, they would be entitled to receive this basic income. Therefore, it's not universal, but it's a basic income to help you get by as long as this externality of economics gets out of the way. For example, people who have been unemployed because of the pandemic, people who have um, had to close their enterprises, finish their their new enterprise income. When the situation is completely out of hands and no longer has to do with the development or effort or work put by the party, they stopped receiving this income, right? Yeah. So, for example, in Mexico right now, there's in the Senate um, the proposal to have a basic income, to have a basic living stipend that's guaranteed to citizens while this pandemic lasts. Now, okay. There are different takes on this. There are people that say that it should be more of a grant. There's people who are saying that it should be more of a free held money, like a handout. Uh, okay. Basically because the government's money is paid by the taxes. No, it's the money of everyone. However, yeah. there's also this uh, other point of view in which people say, okay, you give them a grant and in about five years time when the situation re-stabilizes, then they can pay back the money to the government with the money that's from everyone. Okay. Now, the political circumstances here are kind of weird because we're currently having, we have our first um, government in a long time that's, he considers himself uh, to be a leftist, but most leftists agree that his views are more conservative, like health to the right than left. Um, okay. However, everyone assumes that he's a communist. The basic, essentially people assume that he's a communist when he's really a very weird mixture of ideologies, our current president. So there's people who are saying in favor of this basic income during a crisis period, but there's also people who are against it because of all the political, like being the opposition, being the current person in power, not really arguing what the objective or the end goal should be for the benefit of the people. Okay. So that's kind of the general standing here. So, so in India currently, we haven't thought uh, this far, but Uday Kotak, who is uh, chairman of uh, Federation of Indian Chambers of Commerce, so he suggested that we should have a universal basic income. Our Prime Minister uh, Narendra Modi and his government also thinks regarding the people and the stimulus package which he gave currently uh, during the pandemic was basically not direct benefits but uh, indirect benefits in which people can sustain themselves and uh, take the benefits but he provided food security in a manner that uh, they the poor people don't have to pay uh, for the food or they just have to pay a rupee or so mm -hmm. and not more than that for the whole month's food and uh, the whole rationing was done in this way currently in the pandemic. So there was a thought that whether there should be a universal basic income or not. Because in India, so what we are facing is, uh, there is a system that we have called a reservation system. Okay. Uh, that, is, that is based not on income, but uh, it is based on caste. Okay. Yeah, so we have multiple caste system. 
in which people are reserved so like uh, if i am getting admission into some college or uh, going for a job then if i am of certain caste then certain seats or certain uh, percentage of employment is reserved for me so the system in india is such that we already have a reservation system we have uh, certain types of plans called uh, manrega wherein 100 days of employment is guaranteed by the government and are being paid more than the minimum wages that the government has decided so uh, whether a developing country should be looking towards the the basic income or we can continue for the thing that we have right now and just uh, focus on the fiscal and monetary policy in which the small businesses may sustain more themselves well in that case we would have to analyze what the point of the basic income should cover so if we yeah. see it from a legal point of view for example i believe yeah. um india is still based on common law right yeah so uh, which law common law yeah Whereas yeah contrary we... to civil law we're civil law in mexico uh actually we have uh, uh, multiple laws uh, regarding uh, uh, different things it is like we have states where there is central law where, which is superior to all the states law so whatever okay. the central says the states have to follow it okay as well as there are some benefits given to the states wherein they can according to the uh, situation that is present in each state Okay so, so for even example there, uh, mm-hmm. so even there are some uh, uh, differences in taxes as well as well as in minimum wages also so uh, even every states are given some freedom and but the central has the main idea which uh, the central imposes and the states are given some freedom to uh, change whether they want to increment or decrease uh, so that is on the state so we have uh, such type of law okay right now going on yeah so for example in such a case we would have to analyze what the point of such public policy for hmm. the basic income would have to come into play what your country when the country is a developing country what it wants to focus on that it was does it want to focus on economic growth and opportunity for its citizens or does it want to focus on covering essential basic human rights such as the access to water the access to food um which has to do with the basic human right to health and to life okay on the other side if you're focusing more on a development of economic growth then you have to be more specific in regards to what aspects of economic growth For example, in here you could not expect the government to not give uh, an economic sustainment or economic help to vulnerable communities such as indigenous communities in Mexico. Why? Because they have social, historical and economic um, obstacles against them in a country that historically has had them cast aside. Okay. However, 
if it's more of a development, for example, most privileged areas in Mexico, let's say northern area in Nuevo León, which is an industrial state, which is a growing economic power in and on itself, it would have to be mm -hmm. more focused on not stopping job creation, helping still to have this economic movement instead of having it paused due to the crisis. Now, the issue at hand would be whether this universal basic income be a permanent policy or a temporal policy. Why? Because then we would be talking about an affirmative action. Why are you giving money to some people and to some people not? If you want to make a differentiation or if you want to give a basic income to everyone or just to people who needed to keep advancing. So that's where the key element entails if you're going to make a differentiation of the population on whether who deserves a basic income or not. Within this context of an emergency global pandemic, we would have to analyze then which limits would have to be taken into consideration. Yeah. So, so I'm also concerned regarding one thing mm -hmm. that uh, if it is a temporary solution, then it is fine. But uh, if, uh, if uh, we are looking at a permanent thing about universal basic income that people should have a minimum wage that they are earning, whether they are employed or not. Mm -hmm. So my cons uh, concern is regarding the inflation that happens as well as whether people will be willing to take jobs uh, as they are right now or will they be enjoying on the income that they are earning and not being that productive as they used to be. Well, that's actually an economic... Um problem that it's studied a lot when it's when the in academia one studies the difference between capitalism socialism or communism right the talk of the freeloader if we say it the person who will stop generating more for the community because they're already having the essential to live by however okay that's why we would have to analyze the situation. I believe that if one country wants to state an issue such as a universal basic income, it cannot be universal. It just has to be a basic income for emergencies or a vital income for cases of emergency. So the difference between vital and the difference with universal is that when we're talking about universal, we're talking about everyone receives the same amount of basic income without having consideration of different socioeconomical status or different time period or situation in which they're living through. However, when we talk about a vital income, we're saying that it's a specific group of people in need. Now, there's arguments for or against both systems. However, the issue with the inflation, it's a very key element issue because how the system with money works is based on value. So you receive yeah. money when you work due to the value that you generate. And you pay for stuff with the money from the value that you already have. Things have different values, so have different works, and so have different time periods. So, for example, Absolutely. a person that works at a fast restaurant, um, they'll probably receive a minimum wage in the country where they work. Uh, be it whatever amount it is. Whereas a doctor who has to have over-specialized and has to have a lot of knowledge and key elements to work in that specific area, their hour cost will be much higher than the minimum wage. So 
Yeah. And here we have to analyze, for example, if it's a public policy law which wants to have a vital minimum income for the cases such as a global pandemic like the one we're living, let's say the hospital needs more doctors. So they're going to hire more doctors. So what's the value of the hourly wage? Right now it's an emergency. So a doctor is super valuable, which is very different, for example, a retail worker who if the company closes and the store has to shut down, they will lose their income. So in there, it has nothing to do with the person's ability to generate an income or the value that they were giving, but rather the situation that they found themselves in. So that's when governments have to come in and help have this basic income, not a universal income, but a basic essential income in order to survive the catastrophe. Yeah. So, so that, that's the main thing that uh, if, if, you, if a person is not adding value and he's just getting money, so there will definitely be in, uh, inflation and uh, rising in the prices which would eventually lead to a decrease in the valuation of uh, money in whatever terms you want either in dollars or in rupees or in any other thing also i was looking at history and uh, found that during world war 2 i suppose uh, germany gave its citizens uh, lots of cash mm-hmm. and uh, what happened uh, was that every citizen had cash during the war that was going on and it uh, diminished the value of that currency. It greatly diminishes the value. Yes, it great. And the inflation uh, skyrocketed like anything. The more money that's circulating within society and within the community, the less value it holds because it's easier to acquire. It's yeah. therefore a government cannot be just giving money handouts or printing more money because then the value of their money will completely crash, which is what happened in Venezuela. Yeah. So it, I, it happened in Zimbabwe also in few African countries that uh, uh, the same thing happened that they have a currency of almost one million uh, uh, of their own Zimbabwe's uh, currency. So. So that is the amount of uh, uh, notes that are printed, but you still get a loaf of bread by giving that amount. Exactly. So, So for example, it's the same case in Venezuela currently where people to buy basic um, food supplies, they have to have backpacks filled with cash because of the insane amount of devaluation their money has gone through. Of course, those are extreme examples. However, it's a situation, a very real situation that countries can get towards if not taken seriously, this sort of policies. Because a thing that a lot of countries, I think, do, especially in developing countries that have a democratic essence to them, such as the case of Mexico, with a very high number of population in a vulnerable socioeconomical situation, is they fall into populist agendas. So they promise the people easy solutions to very complex issues in order just to gain votes. And then that's just ends damaging the community. But the community in its majority will not see it as a damage, but more as a 
situation out of hand in which the government is giving me money, helping me get by, and the problem, the economical problem that's coming with it, it's completely caused by other factors when it's not the case. It's part of the problem and it's part of the elements that play a key role into making life for the community much more hard. So, so how do you think that uh, this problem can be solved? Like a general idea, not a proper solution, but uh, an idea that how by changing some type of policy or by uh, changing some type of law as you are a law student uh, practicing that. So how do you think that it can help well, in reducing inflation as well as uh, understanding that, that people understand more about uh, this basic income thing? Well, I believe a sort of grant would be in order or even handouts could be good in certain situations. The thing is that it would have to be accompanied with a regulation that it's general enough that anyone could fall into this situation, but you'd have to comply with very specific issues. And the, the key issue is not that you're unemployed because you don't want to work or because you haven't tried to get a job, but more because of a factor of being in a situation out of control due to externalities, such as the situation we're living in. So all the people who have lost their jobs, had to close businesses down, and have all these global issues falling on them that it's more than the people can handle in an economic standstill where no one is producing, producing anything nor consuming because of an economic crisis derived from a global pandemic, then in there, yes, the government could play a key role into giving handouts or even grants that could be paid in the forthcoming years, understanding that at the end of, at the, end of the day, the government's money is the people's money. It's taxes paid by and for the people. And the people cannot keep on contributing to a government and helping the government generate income by paying taxes if they themselves are an, at an economical standstill. So through a system of sort of grants in which give it a five-year period or two-year period or whatever, the economic experts say that this pandemic global recession might um, last, then you can help give a sort of, um, let's call it an adrenaline injection to an economic standstill that would be yeah. able to keep the country running without it actually falling out of sorts and losing the value of its money or the value of the work the citizens generate or even the will of the citizens to continue working hard to make society better with whatever area they work in, be it retail, be it um, a restaurant, as a doctor, as a lawyer, as an architect, whatever they can dedicate themselves to. So uh, I also assume one thing that uh, right now Indian government uh, provided the fiscal stimulus uh, to everyone mm -hmm. in an indirect form. But what we face is that Currently, we have two systems. Uh, one is GST, that is goods and service tax, mm -hmm. that is going on uh, in most of the products except the petroleum products. So the petroleum products uh, right now have VAT system, that is value-added taxation system. Mm -hmm. So it is. Uh, so the government has not pushed the VAT system into uh, the GST uh, reforms. What they are doing is. In the VAT system, uh, in the petroleum products itself, the diesel and uh, petrol 
prices that we have right now consist of almost 65 to 70% uh, of taxes okay uh, to be paid to the central as well as the states so right now what happened uh, within 3 months uh, i suppose uh, not even 3 months uh, let's say 2 months uh, the petrol prices rose to rupees uh, 7 rupees per liter so that was a huge drastic movement so i assume that if we have something like uh, giving a grant even for a temporary per, uh, time period let's say 6 months to 8 months i would think that the taxes that the government would be charging would be a tremendous which would lead to fall in demand well uh, there are countries yeah. right now currently that are either suspending taxes reducing taxes and countries that are doing nothing regarding taxes for example currently mexico decided they would not suspend taxes payment mm-hmm. so citizens right now still have to pay taxes and they're even becoming a little bit more aggressive with those contributors that cannot pay fully due to the economic crisis that just befell us right however yeah. there are countries such in latin america such as chile such as argentina that suspended some tax payment in order to help um the citizens to have some liquidity at least because it's not an issue on rentability businesses are still being still have their rentability it's the liquidity issue because there's no money circulating right now so people need to retain yeah. the cash that they still have or this cash that they will have in the future due to rentability in in order to be able to buy food because you cannot go to the supermarket and say like oh no i do have rentability i just have to wait a couple months for people to pay me what they owe me the supermarket will tell you no i need you to pay for the food that you're buying right now yeah so that's basically the key issue Hel- helping people get by and survive this crisis with policy that's general enough that any person could be fault but with it not falling within the universality trait because it's not for everyone it's for people who have been affected and in the way they have been affected okay so uh so j- i just wanted to ask one more thing the, of course yeah so like we have in inco- uh, tax labs uh, for income tax specifically like uh, for if i am less than 5 lakh per annum mm-hmm. i don't have to pay tax income taxes i don't have to pay income taxes if i earn more than 5 lakhs per, till 10 lakhs then i have to pay 10% of the income taxes suppose if i earn 6 lakh then uh my five lakhs is deducted i don't have to pay zero tax on five lakhs but i just have to pay uh 10000 rupees of a tax uh on just the one lakh remaining uh so we have a tax lab system uh, like this and uh, it has impacted the income tax system so uh, do you also have a similar system or do you have a different system well like with each our and taxes, every person we have a based on income so yeah Generally income tax is about 30% but it also okay. depends a lot on how much income you generate so if we go to the fiscal code in Mexico it has certain charts in which it states for example if your income i really do not recall the numbers right now from my head but let's say from 0 to 3 
you are in a certain percentage lower. So it's not 30%, but it's a general lower. If you're from four to six, you pay a little bit more tax and percentage and so on and so forth. However, if you cannot prove to what would be the equivalent of the IRS here in Mexico, which we call it SAT. So if you okay. cannot prove to the SAT how much general income you have per month, and it's just based on annually or on an unregistered income, then the base will always be 30%. Okay. So, so, uh, so it is kind of similar system that we both countries have. It's kind of similar in that sense, which is escalonated in a certain aspect, but it's also generalized over the amount of money you receive based on a percentage. While, while according to the Indian scenario, uh, what happens is almost except the salaried person, if we include that also, 96 to 95% people don't pay income taxes here. Okay. They have, uh, they have revenue of less than 5 lakh per annum. Uh, while many of them don't have that uh, lesser revenue, but they show it. And uh, leading to this, uh, the whole problems in taxation, as well as the normal taxpayers are burdened with more tax or to generate the infrastructure requirement and health infrastructure and all. So we are currently facing such type of problem mm-hmm. right now. So, so what can be the changes or uh, what can a country like India do further while considering all these things happening? Well, in that case, it's more of an issue of policy compliance more than the policy in itself. Because one thing is having the laws redacted and another thing is having people actually do what the laws tell you to do, right? It's an issue we yeah. also have here in Mexico. Most laws are not fully complied with and even if they're not complied with, there's not an effective system to make them comply. So there's no real coerceability. That's an issue that has to be worked through. With It has a lot to do with people's culture, so being honest about your income in first stance, which will be difficult if the country's people don't trust their government. Essentially, okay. Governments like countries where people fully pay their taxes or have a higher compliancy rate of paying their taxes and complying with their fiscal obligations really believe that their money is going forth to good use. So see countries such as Norway, such as Sweden, they have exaggerately high taxes. Like they pay a crazy amount of taxes. However, they feel that their money is being put on to good use. They see their streets being cleaned and no potholes and um, all the street lamps working and their system actually working how it should work. Developing countries such as Mexico, such as India, we really have no impulse to pay taxes if we see yeah. that the few money that we're actually giving them is not being put to good use, and then we're falling into all of this news about corruption, about government keeping the money for themselves and growing in greed. And so the citizens will really have no impulse to seeing, hey, this is our collective money being put to good use, because if we pay our taxes, we will have better streets, we will have 
better lighting system. We will have better public transportation. Why? Because they actually don't see it being put into place. So if the government doesn't prove itself as a reliable government, people will have absolutely no interest in giving their money to someone they don't trust. So uh, that was all for today. Mm -hmm. And uh, all my questions are answered as well as I... I hope it was a good discussion. It was very interesting. I was very glad to be here. Uh, yeah, I'm same here. That I'm very glad you are a law student, I, and uh, it was very much easier that you could understand uh, <laughs> being a law student. <laughs> it was very fun. Thank you very much yeah. for having me over. Uh, thank you very much for coming. And uh, before you... Uh, go uh, i just uh, want you to describe uh, what you do and uh, like you are a law student but what do you practice in law and uh, where do you see the future yeah. so uh, thanks for being uh, here i hope we interact again on some different topic thank uh, you very much that, <laughs> that goes that happens in mexico and we uh, have a discussion on that in future I would love to. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.